Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Special Edition. I'm Brian Hughes. On this week's edition, I'll be speaking with Dr. Nancy Fitch from MedExpress in Wilkesbury about the importance of getting the flu shot. And David O'Leary hosts the two-part Odyssey-produced segment, I'm Listening, focusing on the suicide prevention program, Talk Away the Dark. Special edition gets started right now. This is Special Edition. I'm Brian Hughes. My guest is Dr. Nancy Fitch, an emergency physician with MedExpress in Wilkesbury, to tell us why the flu shot is important this time of the year. Hello, Dr. Fitch. Hello, Brian. How are you? <laughs> Took forever to get this interview together, but we're going to make a go of it, come hell or high water. <laughs> um, there's so many other illnesses going on around uh, this time of the year. There's the flu, there's COVID, there's RSV. If you're feeling sick, how do you know if you have the flu, COVID, or RSV? Sometimes you don't know. And that's what makes it very challenging. So a lot of times the only way we can really tell is to do the testing because flu and COVID in particular really overlap significantly. Now, when you talk about uh, high-risk communities, it's pretty much usually the younger end and the older end of the spectrum. Yes, for sure. And those in between that have other medical conditions that can be compromised by coming down with flu and COVID. Right. And seeing commercials about people that are able to get a COVID vaccine and a flu vaccine at the same time, that is safe, I would imagine, isn't it? Yes, yes. Now, you know, some people have some adverse reactions. So, you know, the, the some of the feelings you feel after these vaccines, I personally haven't been getting them at the same time. I, I separate them out um, and haven't had any problems. But... Um, you know, I think it just depends on how you've handled the vaccines in the past. So how long would you want to separate them out? Are we talking like a day or two, a week or so? You know, I think anywhere from a couple days to, you know, two weeks in between. Okay. You're listening to Special Edition. My guest is Dr. Nancy Fitch, an emergency physician with MedExpress in Wilkesbury. Uh, how are the numbers regarding the flu? Because it seems like uh, they've been going up ever since the holidays uh, started? They have been. They have been. Um, flu and COVID both are on the rise. And, you know, we've seen, especially right before the holidays, flu hit very, very hard. 
but we're still seeing, you know, very active flu and COVID numbers. Now, what would be the best way to protect yourself and your family from getting sick this year, uh, aside from obviously getting the vaccine? It goes back to some of the things that we learned during the pandemic. You know, obviously, if you are sick, stay home so you don't spread it to others. Uh, You know, the masking still, as much as you wearing the mask doesn't protect yourself, per se, unless you are wearing the N95s. But, uh, you know, masking with an N95, if you do have to be out and about, social distancing, lots of hand washing, hand sanitizer, you know, those things are still very, very important and can be very helpful to help prevent yourself from catching some of these, these infections. Now, this uh, winter has been interesting in terms of temperatures. We get some super cold days that turn into warmer days. Is that uh, causing more problems with people coming down with the flu or other diseases? Not so much. You know, these, these diseases are flying rampant, even down in warm temperatures where the temperatures are staying the same. Uh, it's just their typical cycle, and, you know, I think for us, a lot of our resistance might go down a little bit when it gets colder. The other thing, too, is the humidity in the homes. You know, the, the lower humidities does make it a lot easier to contract some of these these viruses because the, you know, the nasal passages are dry. The moisture in your nose can make it a little bit, you know, they trap the virus a little bit better. So sometimes that humidity in the homes does contribute to catching some of these viruses a little bit easier. So maybe don't have the thermostat up at 72. Maybe if you lower it down to 68 or something like that, that could make a difference? It could make a difference and get the humidifiers going. You know, get some moisture back in your house because right now they're very dry. Any other treatments available you know, for people that may come down with the flu? A lot of the treatment for flu and COVID is the symptomatic treatment of the symptoms that you're having. So, you know, if you have the runny nose, you want to take an antihistamine. If you're congested and you can take the decongestant, take a decongestant. Combination products that combine those, like the antihistamine decongestant combinations, cough medicines that help with some expectorant properties, cough medicines, body aches and um, fever treated with the you know, Tylenol and the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs to help with some of the discomfort. Usually, if you can keep yourself comfortable, you can kind of ride these out a little bit easier. You're listening to Special Edition. My guest is Dr. Nancy Fitch, emergency physician with MedExpress in Wilkesbury. Uh, Is there still a lot of resistance for people in terms of getting either the COVID-19 vaccine or even the flu vaccine? You know, I can understand that COVID really kind of beat us all down with the, you know, the initial series and then boosters. And, you know, there are still people who are like, no, I never get the flu shot because as soon as I get the flu shot, I get the flu. Um, And that's not usually the case. You know, the flu shot itself can't give you the flu. The uh, and same with the COVID vaccine. The COVID vaccine can't give you COVID, but. The, the revving up of the immune system from these vaccines can give you some of the symptoms that mask it, which basically just means that the vaccine is working. You might get some body aches, maybe a low-grade fever, some of the symptoms that you might think are actually the flu, but are actually your immune system reacting to the vaccine itself. People will still resist it. 
That's interesting. Uh, I guess it depends sometimes if it's just your political point of view that you're, you're kind of adamant against it. And oddly enough, for a long time, uh, back in the 50s and 60s, it was more so liberals and Democrats that seemed to be opposing vaccination, especially if it's considered mandatory vaccination. Now it's uh, it's the other side of the aisle. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't take the political stance right. for it. You know, I look at the science behind it. So, um, you know, the, the boosters, I think, are going to be with us, just like the flu shot is, has been with us for a very long time. Um, and if they make changes to the vaccine, you know, some people might look at it a little bit differently. And it's hard. There's still a lot of data that's missing that is going to come out of you know, the fact of having the disease itself, we still don't know all the long-term complications of having COVID, um, you know, and that's that's a big issue as well. And we're getting people now that are coming down with COVID for their second time, some people even their third and fourth times. What is the ramification of getting COVID that many times down the road? We don't really know a lot of that data yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a fairly new disease when you hear COVID-19, people think there's like other 18 other variations of COVID, but it's called COVID-19 because it was first discovered back in 2019. Correct, yes. For anybody that tests positive for COVID, what would be the next step uh, for you to do? So with COVID-19, the CDC guidelines right now say that you should isolate for the first five days from the onset of your symptoms. Mm-hmm. Which basically means, you know, you should isolate away from your family to protect them. Um, you know, have your food dropped off at your bedroom doors, wipe down all the surfaces if you have to share a bathroom, those kinds of things. After day five of isolation, you can go back about your business as long as you weren't running a fever on day five and you weren't taking any medicines to keep a fever down on day five. So on day six through ten, you can go back out into the world, so to speak, as long as you mask um, and avoid places that require you to take your mask off. So you want to stay out of restaurants, bars, gyms, those kinds of places that you would require your mask to come off to eat or drink. Uh, So as long as you can, you know, mask, you can go out and about like the grocery store and do your errands from day six through through day 10. Day 11, you can go back to business as usual. Um, They have found that the infectiousness tends to decrease dramatically after day five, but you wear the mask day six through 10 to help protect others just in case you do have some waning virus particles that you could be spreading. So you want to still avoid people that are high risk from day six to 10. You know, you want to avoid those very, very young infants, pregnant women, older people, and especially those that have any other medical problems that make them immunocompromised that they might not be able to fight against COVID. So That's a a pretty good list of of things to avoid, you know, for if you come down with COVID-19. I thought at first I might have come up with like an early version of it. Uh, Early in 2020, I had this issue. It was like a burning sensation from my throat into my chest, and I wasn't really able to like walk long distance, like a half a block, I was starting to feel winded. I don't know if that was COVID. I thought maybe it was uh, asthma or something, but it was early in 2020. Uh, Could that be a a possible COVID symptom? Because as far as I know, I don't think I've gotten COVID yet. 
You know, it's hard to say. You know, people have said, oh, I had something in 2019 that I know was COVID, and, and I had it in early 2020. We don't know. We won't be able to ever know that because we weren't testing for it back right. then to really know. Um, so it's hard to say. I mean, it's, it's very hard to say. We don't know the, the spreading pattern of it back then. We can only tell from when we really were notified that this was a problem. So COVID's basically in its uh, adolescent years right now. We don't know a a lot about it. I'm sure we'll find out more as time goes on. Uh, uh, Dr. Fitch, anything else uh, you want to advise us about regarding this time of the year, getting the flu vaccine or COVID vaccine or RSV for that matter? Well, I think think it definitely is worthwhile. The the season is still present. We're going to have flu around probably until March or April. So getting the vaccine now for flu is definitely beneficial. Uh, you know, the people will get the flu and they're like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing I've ever had to go through. And it's like it can be. The flu is, is nothing to sneeze at. People are dying from flu. Children are dying from flu. Adults are dying from flu. Um, and it's not something they haven't heard in the past. It's This is something that the flu has done. We've gotten a break from flu with COVID happening. Everybody was very, very conscious and mindful of, the, of what they were doing and the social distancing and the staying home when you were sick. So we had very, very mild flu seasons the past couple of years, but it came back with a roaring vengeance this year. And it was, it's been very, very active this year as as has COVID remained active too. So it still is beneficial to get the flu shot now. It takes about two weeks for the immunity to start helping you. And even if you do contract the flu with the vaccine on board, at least your symptoms usually tend to be quite a bit milder uh, and not be quite as, um, I don't want to say debilitating, but debilitating. You know, you feel like you got hit by that bus and then it backed up over you one more time just to make sure it did you in. So... It's worthwhile to get the, still to get the vaccine, even though we're we're in January. That's a, a very interesting way of putting it. Uh, backed over <laughs> by a truck, and they just came back for more. Yep. All right, Doctor Nancy <laughs> Fitch. I appreciate you joining us uh, from Med Express in Wilkesbury. Talk about the importance of getting the flu shots, even though. In some ways, spring's around the corner, but maybe not really, because I'm sure we're going to see 50-degree temperatures, but we're also going to see 10-degree temperatures as well. So I appreciate you joining us this morning on Special Edition. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Next up on Special Edition, David O'Leary hosts the two-part Odyssey-produced segment, I'm Listening, focusing on the suicide prevention program, Talk Away the Dark. It's all coming up when Special Edition continues. Welcome back to Special Edition. I'm Brian Hughes. Now part one of David O'Leary's two-part Odyssey-produced segment, I'm Listening, focusing on the suicide prevention program, Talk Away the Dark. From Odyssey, in partnership with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, this is I'm Listening, Talk Away the Dark, a limited series Today, David O'Leary hosts our intimate conversation on grief, loss, and suicide. Joined by Paul Augustiniak, who lost his wife to suicide, and AFSP Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Christine Moutier. This is I'm Listening from Odyssey. I'm David O'Leary for Odyssey. It is great to have you 
tuned in. You know, when we see someone who may be struggling, we often worry that saying the wrong thing or saying anything may make matters worse with that person. So very often we end up saying nothing. I'm going to talk a little bit about reaching out and how to have that conversation with some friends from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Talk a little bit more about their campaign called Talk Away the Dark. Dr. Christine Moutier joins us. She is the uh, medical director for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She knows firsthand the impact of suicide while in training early in her medical career at the University of California. She experienced a series of tragic losses which led her to her work in suicide prevention. Dr. Moutier, it's great to have you with us. Always great to join you, David, and really excited to have the conversation. We're also joined by Paul Augustiniak, who joins us from Tennessee. He lost his wife, Alice, his wife of over 30 years, just a few years ago, and has uh, joined up with AFSP, not just as a volunteer, but as chair of the Tennessee chapter of the organization. And he also coordinates the Healings Conversation Program, which is a program of outreach, giving survivors of suicide loss the opportunity to speak with volunteers, others who have had similar loss. There's a tremendous power in that. We're going to find out a little bit more about that and more. Paul, nice to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you very much, David. It is my pleasure and uh, happy to join the conversation today. Very happy to try to shed a little bit of light on this leading cause of death. And it is a leading cause of death. It's interesting. I've, I've said this before, especially over the last couple of years, pandemic and whatnot. I think uh, individuals who never gave a thought to their mental health have been able to talk about mental health in a way, anxiety, depression, however you want to label it, in a way that they couldn't. Uh, until until very, very recently. Dr. Moutier, would you say that's the, the case we're all kind of willing to have this conversation, be a little more open to talking about it these days? Yeah, I think our culture is opening up tremendously around the topic of mental health. I think the work that we are here to talk about today, in a way, is really what does that mean for us in our daily lives, in our real relationships with family members, with colleagues, friends? When I'm asked, why, is, why does suicide remain such a um, tragic loss of life in our lives and in our nation, even while these attitudes are opening up and the culture is changing? I think the gap is still in what does it mean for our daily lives? What do we put into action um, in our daily lives as, as human beings, as individuals, but also in our workplaces and, you know, in, in all of the other platforms that we have? You know, I wonder if often when someone is uh, thinking about reaching out and they see someone who may be struggling or they are aware that someone has, has suffered a loss, uh, they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Maybe that's what the, the, the motivating, that's, the, that's their overall sort of motivating them to, to speak up or to not speak up. Paul, you lost uh, your wife, Alice, just a, a, a few years ago. And, and thank you for being willing to share your story and talk about it just a little bit. And wh what was your experience after, after losing Alice? Were, were people reaching out or did you sense, oh, I don't know what to say or how to, how to approach, you know, how to approach Paul and, and, and I'll say the wrong thing. Where did it fall for you? 
it's difficult, I think, for people who have experienced uh, someone who has a suicide in their life, whether it's someone incredibly close to them, like uh, like Alice, for myself and our family, uh, or if it's you know an extended relative, uh, just not knowing exactly what to say. I, I will tell you, in my case, it took it took a year, maybe to you know, certainly some months to just come to grips with the word suicide is that was a process. And, and I think for, for some folks, both on the receiving and then also on the sending end, it's, it's a little bit difficult. As I say, I think we've, I know personally, uh, I, I've grown to talk about and be able to talk about suicide more, to be able to talk about what happened to Alice uh, what able to talk about what happened to our family and and just allowing people that space to come in is really important but I, I think again in, in my experience personally uh, it may have taken a long time for me to open up and be willing to uh, to create that kind of space as an individual so not just people reaching out but the people that they're reaching out to almost have to I don't know, figure out how to hear that, right? How to, how to, how to be reached out to. I mean, is that a, is that a fair statement? Probably a more elegant way to say it, but. No, I, I think, I think it is. I think you I think you're spot on, David. It's one of those where no one, no one, people don't know what to say and then you don't know how to respond uh, because from a, from this trauma, you're, you know, we're still processing, we're still figuring it out where you were still, you know, in, in this healing mode. And, and even before we get there, we're still figuring out, well, what happened and, and, and how and why. And uh, so that's, you know, it's very complex. Part of what we do at AFSP is we let people know that there is, there's community, there's support. It's a safe place to be able to talk about your experience one's experience, one's family's experience. And uh, that's, that's, I think, very helpful. And it's certainly been very healing for me. Christine, can you talk about the, um, it, it sounds very isolating where you're at this point where people don't know what to say or how to bring it up, or they're just afraid to, for, wh- again, whatever the, the reason is, it, it does sound it does sound like a, a very isolated and alone place to be. And, and, and probably not medically speaking, not a, not a great place to be. Here's one way that I would look at it. So let's say let's say I'm Paul's neighbor um, or colleague at work, and I know that he's just lost his spouse to suicide. If I don't understand that suicide is a complex health outcome, like other complicated health outcomes and other causes of death, if I don't know that, then I get kind of stuck in, I don't know what's okay to say, You know, um, I I stay shrouded in that state of silence and fear and keeping that frame on it and understanding that it's the majority of people who've actually experienced um, something personally related to either loss, suicide loss or lived experience. I think that would help me then as Paul's neighbor to say, okay, if his wife had died of cancer or some other health condition, I would be, like you said, Paul, jumping in the boat. I would be coming close to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. 
Alice is such an amazing person. We want to help you. Can we walk your dog? Can we go shopping? Can we bring you food? We're around. We're your community. We support you. Um, And I think more and more suicide loss survivors are experiencing that as this level of understanding is getting infused from science into, you know, all of our knowledge and way of understanding mental health and suicide through the health lens. Then we can behave in the caring and normal ways that we know how to behave at a time of loss and grief. The campaign is called Talk Away the Dark, and the the name of it really says it all. If someone is in a dark place, is struggling, the campaign is designed to give sort of insight into how to have these these caring conversations. And it can be tough to, to get the ball rolling, but how to have the conversation with a loved one about their mental health and suicide prevention. Um, and these open and honest conversations demonstrate the importance, as you spoke of, uh, Christine, the importance of really talking directly about it, using that word and, and showing that these conversations can help save lives, to help give hope and, and prevent suicide. And, and David, if I if I may, uh, I want to leverage and, and dovetail something that uh, that Christina talked about before I became a volunteer for AFSP. Suicide was you know, was out there, and uh, we knew that. And and as Christina has noted, I mean, the data show fifty five percent of you know Americans you know, have been touched by suicide somehow. I didn't realize how prevalent it was from an anecdotal standpoint until I started volunteering for AFSP, tabling at events, being out in the public. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Doing and participating in our, our loss and healing programs, whether they be walks or whether they be healing conversations, where we'd be at a ballgame. We'd have an AFSP table up and... You know, some folks would stream by, of course, but but others would would lean in, and others would would say, "I lost my uncle. 
I lost my granddad. I lost my partner. And I began to understand that more and more people, this, it, it was, it's as, uh, the analogy I'll make is if, if when you buy, when someone buys a new car and, and now you're hyper-focused on the fact that every, so many other people have my car. I, I liken it to that when, when I think about uh, my experience as a volunteer here and, and, and listening to people and, and being available to them and, and presenting as AFSP. I think that's a great point, Paul. And I, I think, you know, as a species, we, we, we want to know that we're not the only one. Right, whether there are others like us, our people, and 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 if that's the type of car you drive, or if that's having struggled or losing someone to suicide, you want to be among people who under understand that. And I think uh, I think you're spot on. I think once you're sort of in that club, you realize how many other people are in that club as well. They're just waiting for an opportunity to 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 connect with you about it. I, I agree, and I think you, you've hit on a, a word that that resonates with me, and that's connection. Having the community of lost survivors has you know, been incredibly helpful for me. It's been incredibly helpful for our family to know that we're not alone. You know, I, I, uh, I attended a, you know, a, loss, a group for lost survivors that's done by one of our community organizations here in Nashville. And everybody that walks in the door knows why they're there. And, and everyone that sits down at the chair knows why they're there. And the first step for me was the most difficult. And, and I would urge people who are out there who, who, have, who are lost survivors to, uh, to reach out to us, certainly at AFSP, where the Healing Conversations Program, for example, is, is this community of volunteers who are lost survivors who have had a similar loss. And, and we connect those folks up one-to-one. It's, it's a part of the role that I, I relish because we're able to help someone else start their healing process, start their journey. And you know, the outcome of these calls is, is generally we want to point that person to additional resources, whether they're on our website or whether they're groups or, or articles or more books. Uh, I, I got great comfort out of a couple of books that I read. So to let people know that they're not alone in this, I, I think is, is incredibly important. I want to note that as you're, as you're listening, uh, if you are struggling or you're caring for someone or know someone who is struggling with depression or anxiety, help is there. Help is always there. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just dial 988. And as you noted, Paul, AFSP is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. It's a national organization with chapters in all 50 states across the country. You can find out more about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, a national organization with chapters in all 50 states. There are resources. There are tools. There is all kinds of information, whether you are struggling or caring for someone who is. Go to AFSP.org. There are warning signs that you can learn a little bit more about um, that will sort of uh, attend so much of what we've been talking about here. You can also find out more about Talk Away the Dark, and that is Talk Away the Dark. 
www.afsp.org for a little bit more. I want to thank you both for being so generous with sharing your your, your personal stories and, and, and expertise and insights into this really, really important topic. It's, it's, it's a, a topic that often hides in the shadows, as we've discussed. And all too often, it, you know, by going unaddressed, it, it, even when we know someone is struggling, it, uh, the, the right thing to do is to step up, have the conversation, start the conversation, even if you don't have the answers, because you really can um, save a life and improve the quality of, of so many others. So Dr. Christine Moutier and Paul Agostiniak, thank you both for being with us on I'm Listening. Thanks so much, David and, and Paul. Always great to speak with you. Thank you very much, Christine. And, and David, thank you for the opportunity to allow us to show what the other things that AFSP can do for uh, folks that are new loss survivors. This is Odyssey's I'm Listening. Thanks for being here. For more stories like this one, download the I'm Listening podcast on the Odyssey app or visit imlistening.org. Next up on Special Edition, Part 2 of the Odyssey-produced segment, I'm Listening, focusing on the suicide prevention program, Talk Away the Dark. It's coming up when Special Edition continues. Welcome back to Special Edition. I'm Brian Hughes. Now the conclusion of I'm Listening, Talk Away the Dark, a production of Odyssey, here on Special Edition. From Odyssey, in partnership with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, this is I'm Listening, Talk Away the Dark, a limited series. Today, David O'Leary hosts our intimate conversation on grief, loss, and suicide. Joined by Paul Augustiniak, who lost his wife to suicide, and AFSP Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Christine Moutier. This is I'm Listening from Odyssey. I'm David O'Leary for Odyssey. It is great to have you tuned in. You know, when we see someone who may be struggling, we often worry that saying the wrong thing or saying anything may make matters worse with that person. So very often we end up saying nothing. Even though reaching out and and just those few kind words can make a world of difference in kind of connecting to someone to help or support someone who may be struggling or experiencing a, a suicide loss. We're going to talk a little bit about reaching out and how to have that conversation with some friends from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Talk a little bit more about their campaign called Talk Away the Dark. Dr. Christine Moutier joins us. She is the uh, medical director for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She knows firsthand the impact of suicide while in training early in her medical career at the University of California. She experienced a series of tragic losses which led her to her work in suicide prevention. Dr. Moutier, it's great to have you with us. Always great to join you, David, and really excited to have the conversation. We're also joined by Paul Augustiniak, who joins us from Tennessee. He lost his wife, Alice, his wife of over 30 years, just a few years ago, and has uh, joined up with AFSP, not just as a volunteer, but as chair of the Tennessee chapter of the organization. And he also coordinates the Healings Conversation Program, which is a, a program of outreach giving survivors of suicide loss the opportunity to speak with volunteers, others who have had similar loss. There's a tremendous power in that. We're going to find out a little bit more about that and more. Paul, 
Nice to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you very much, David. It is my pleasure and uh, happy to join the conversation today. I want to note that as you're as you're listening, uh, if you are struggling or you're caring for someone or know someone who is struggling with depression or anxiety, help is there. Help is always there. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just dial 988. And as you noted, Paul, AFSP is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. It's a national organization with chapters in all 50 states across the country. Christine, I wonder if you could tell us how, how this conversation that we're going to have, that we're going to reach out to someone that we're, that we're concerned about, how does that start? To your question about if you are wondering if maybe someone in your life is struggling, you're noticing a couple things like they just may not seem like themselves, um, or maybe you know that they've just gone through something. I just reach out to them. I ask if we can have, uh, you know, set up a, a time to meet up for coffee, to catch up. Um, and I, I even view this as like a coffee chat, you know, if you're worried about someone. And the key thing there is really setting up private time. I'll say to them, hey, I, I set up this time with you because, um, because I care about you. And I noticed that you might not be um, seeming like yourself. And this is not a coming from a place of judgment, quite the opposite. I'm coming from a place of only because I care about you and I want to support you. And as your friend or as your colleague, I think I can do that best if I understand a little bit more about what might be, might be happening in your life, if you are able to share with me. And so it's really, I mean, all of those words are really just a way of saying, I care and I want to check in and some form of open-ended question that gets them talking um, about what's going on in their life. That's really the goal in setting up the conversation. Also laying out that it's a safe space and you're not there to judge, especially if it's a work relationship. You really want to say, this is purely because I care about you and I want to support you as a colleague. So it isn't really necessarily about, well, let's see what we can do to solve the problem or find out what's bothering you. It's really just to get the person talking. Having that person realize that you care about them, I think is, uh, is it's an amazing superpower that we all have. And, and it's something that we talk about in, in the trainings that we do and the education that we do. Uh, you know, it doesn't put... You know, it doesn't suicide. Talking about suicide doesn't put the idea in anyone's head. I, it, it's quite the opposite. It's people say, "My gosh, someone noticed. Somebody cares." Christine, are there things not to say? I mean, you've sort of covered some some general things, but are there are there words not to use, or phrases, or expressions, or just approaches that are, you know, perhaps not in the person's best interest? So I think you know things that that can be less than helpful are trying to solve their problems. Like we're saying, um, you know, presenting platitudes that kind of just frame it up. Like you've assessed it and, Oh, well, that's just the blah, blah, blah. You know, those kinds of um, uh, ways that we tend to as human beings like to kind of tie things up neatly with a bow. Oftentimes what people are talking about are pretty complicated situations, complicated feelings there's usually a history with, you know, um, that oftentimes the things we experience that are hard in life are on top of layers of other 
hard things or trauma. Um, you know, certainly if, if you're, you know, if you're someone who comes from a marginalized community or, um, or, or family generationally, oftentimes these experiences are very layered. And that's another thing. When you're the helping person, you're the caring person having the conversation, having that sensitivity that you never know, number one, you never know what someone is going through. And number two, if they're telling you about it, you don't want to minimize it by assuming it's only about that work situation and ah, it's no big deal, it will solve itself. You really want to give it um, the attention and the care and concern and let them guide on, you know, um, the, the interpretation, the meaning, where it goes next. You know, I think the, the last thing I'll say is that if they are having a tone or using words or phrases that even hint at feeling like they think they're a burden to others, like they feel trapped or overwhelmed in their situation with no way out, um, a tone of hopelessness, those would all be indicators that there's a decent likelihood that they may be having thoughts of ending their own life. And that those are signals to me that it's the appropriate um, moment to say, you know, when you, when you use the, that, that those words, when you have, you know, you're, you're speaking with such a level of, of um, feeling overwhelmed that it makes me wonder if you might be having thoughts of ending your life. And that's the way I present the opportunity for them to share if they are having suicidal thoughts. And um, even though that might seem like a very scary thing to open up the, the conversation around, if you look at it this way, there's a certain percentage of people at any given time that are having suicidal thoughts in our daily lives, at work, at school, in our faith community. And by presenting them the opportunity to speak about what it is they have been experiencing, that you might be the only one who've asked, and you might be the first, uh, this conversation might be the first opportunity where they have to talk about it. And, and being able to listen to them and say, that sounds so tough. I, I want to be here for you. And I want to help you get the, the care and the support that you need. I'll be part of that. But, you know, when someone is having suicidal thoughts, that to me says it is time to take that, that person to a health professional. Not necessarily in that minute, in that moment. Because remember... You know, in let's say if we're talking about college students, or let's say we're talking about high school students, or even medical students, graduate students, it's between um, six and twenty percent of them that, in any thirty-day period, are having thoughts of ending their life. So it's not as infrequent as we think, and and what that means also is it doesn't mean that every moment, every time someone is having thoughts of suicide that that's an, a crisis and an emergency and that they're thinking of acting on those thoughts right then. That is usually not the case. One of my takeaways from, from what you just said was that word suicide, using that word when it reaches, when it's elevated to the, to the level that you're really concerned about this person, you say, are you, are you thinking of taking your life? Are you thinking of suicide? That's important, isn't it? 
Yes, it, it really is. Talking about it allows this opening up of all of these options that were remaining kind of in that stuck, stigmatized place. Um, and it's also a myth that asking about suicidal thoughts, just like you mentioned, David, do harm to people. We know from at least four research studies that if someone is not having that level of struggle, it doesn't plant that that seed. If they are having thoughts of suicide, that it does, it's actually helpful and it doesn't make them more likely to act on them. With having these conversations, as you're listening, you're visualizing, how is this going to go? How am I going to kick this conversation off about somebody that I'm, that I'm concerned about? You can find out a little bit more. Talk away the dark dot afsp.org will give you some some examples of how these conversations go and why they're so important i'm so glad you mentioned uh stigma christine you know again we started here it seems like we're all a little less stigmatized around talking about mental health these days still some work to do but we're better at it now than we were just a just a few years ago i i definitely think we are and um there are so many positive um, conversations happening. It's not always being messaged in a way that is safe um, or perfect, but the overall trend is, is one of opening up, and that is a good thing. Paul, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the Healing Conversations program, which is an incredible longstanding program with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention that brings together those who have suffered a loss with others who have suffered a more recent loss. There is incredible power uh, in that. Uh, talk a little bit about the program, and, and uh, you mentioned it earlier, but why is it so important for both sides of, of that conversation? Healing Conversations is designed to, it's a peer-to-peer program where it's one person, a suicide survivor, a survivor of suicide loss, uh, talking with a a survivor of suicide loss that that may be early in their journey. And the, the power of connection for someone to speak with another individual who has experienced a similar loss. I I mean, none of these losses, everyone's loss is different. Yet when someone can talk with another individual who has lost a spouse or a partner uh, or a child, it's comforting for that new loss survivor to know that they're not alone and there are others that are out there. When we finish these discussions, when, when the conversations are over, uh, the, the comments we get back from the new loss survivor really glow of, boy, someone was there to hear me. I, I'm, I'm so happy that I got a chance to talk with someone else who had been through this. And it, it, from an outcome standpoint, we, we want to make certain that that new loss survivor has the resources to continue their healing journey. The takeaway I, I want I want your listeners to understand is that the, we are here. We want to make certain that through this program that individuals are able to go to our website at AFSP.org and then click on the pane that says Get Help, which will allow them to go to the 
part of the website that says I've lost someone, and and there they can there they can fill out the information that they need and send it to us, and we can start. We can start the conversation. Healing Conversations. You can find out more about that program. You can find out more about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, a national organization with chapters in all 50 states. There are resources. There are tools. There is all kinds of information, whether you are struggling or caring for someone who is. Go to AFSP.org. You can also find out more about Talk Away the Dark, and that is talkawaythedark.afsp.org. .org for a little bit more. I want to thank you both for being so generous with sharing your your, your personal stories and, and, and expertise and insights into this really, really important topic. It's, it's, it's a, a topic that often hides in the shadows, as we've discussed. The right thing to do is to step up, have the conversation, start the conversation, even if you don't have the answers, because you really can um, save a life and improve the quality of, of so many others. So, Dr. Christine Moutier and Paul Agostiniak, thank you both for being with us on I'm Listening. Thanks so much, David and, and Paul. Always great to speak with you. Thank you very much, Christine and, and David. Thank you for the opportunity to allow us to show the other things that AFSP can do for uh, folks that are new loss survivors. This is Odyssey's I'm Listening. For Thanks the for full being- show and more stories like this, download the I'm Listening podcast on the Odyssey app. Or visit imlistening.org. Thank you for joining us this week on Special Edition. Special Edition is a weekly public affairs presentation of Odyssey Wilkesbury. I'm Brian Hughes. Thanks again for listening. Is someone you love abusing opioid medications? It may not be easy to tell, especially in the early stages of addiction. Perhaps you've noticed changes in your loved one's moods or behavior. People who are addicted to opioids may still hold down jobs and other responsibilities, maintaining the appearance of stability at work and home. Recovery starts with a call. Call 1-800-662-HELP or visit battlingopioids.org. How do you give hope to a child in the foster care system? It starts with your heart. That tug you feel on yours when you hear that children are waiting for a stable, loving voice to speak up for their best interests. And then it becomes your time. What started out as a feeling that maybe you could make a difference becomes the difference. Change a child's story. There is a child waiting for a volunteer like you. Learn how you can help at LackawannaCountyCasa.org. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.